Welcome to my little corner of the internet. (laughs) If you are listening to this, you have arrived at the first ever episode of Hurdle. My name is Emily Abadi, and uh, here's some fast facts you should know about me. By day, I am a writer and editor living in New York City. I'm a huge fitness fanatic, also a certified trainer, run coach, spin instructor, all the things. To get a little more insight into who I am, feel free maybe just to peep my social channels, all of which can be found at Emily Abadi, A-B-B-A-T-E. Now that you know the baseball stats on me, let's talk about this here podcast. Here is the deal. Although you can't go back and change your beginning, you can change your end. Hurdle, a bi-weekly podcast, features people who got through a tough time, a hurdle of sorts, by integrating wellness into their routines. In this modern world we live in, filled with so much anxiety and pressure and obscene amounts of competition, wellness in all of its forms is an outlet. Some of the biggest, baddest, most inspirational humans and top CEOs got to where they are today because they found themselves with the help of things like yoga, running, juicing, a new approach to eating, meditation, crystals even, the list goes on. Hurdle brings you their stories, the lessons they learned, and hopefully gives you the push you need to live a healthier, happier, more motivated life. going forward, this would be the part where I introduce a guest, but spoiler alert, the first guest is actually me. (laughs) A little background, uh, I guess, first and foremost on this project. When 2017 began, I told myself there were a few things that I wanted to do, uh, I guess, as resolutioners typically do at the turn of a new year. Uh, aside from really wanting to do things like get better at spending time alone, um, <laughs> I remember actually going to the movies by myself and being so proud that I kind of took that step last January. Um, aside from wanting to take some more time alone, I also wanted to start a podcast. And my ideas for what this would ultimately become were a little all over the place, but When I think about it, I really do think that some of the best projects start out that way. Uh, It's been a slow process, mostly because uh, things, you know, they get in the way. Uh, But fast forward to about a month or two ago, I was sitting here on my couch in New York City, venting about something to a girlfriend, and I looked at her with so much sincerity, and I just said, I just want to get over the hurdle. And it clicked. I started to think about all of the hurdles I faced and kind of just had this aha moment. Even if they're tear-inducing, those ugly crying kind of things, heartbreaking or difficult, hurdles define us. And it's hard to see in the moment, but uh, the obstacles that come with those, they really shape our character. And so I know what's coming up. You're like, okay, True, I'm down with this, but what's with all the wellness stuff? Well, as I mentioned, I'm a freelance fitness editor and writer. I was last full-time at Self Magazine uh, at the end of 2016 as their fitness editor, 
before the book closed. And before that, I was an editor at Rodale, uh, the publishing company that, uh, if only for now, owns Men's Health, Women's Health, Runner's World Prevention, Bicycling, etc. I'm also, as I said, a personal trainer, a run coach, and a spin instructor at Swerve Fitness here in the city. And here is a little bit of a plot twist. I weighed 204 pounds 10 years ago. So that's what's going to lead us up to my hurdle moment. The obstacle that led me to losing 70 pounds in college. You know, it smacks me like a ton of bricks every single time I say that out loud. So uh, come back with me, will you, to my dorm room in 2007. Time flies. I was a freshman in college at the University of Connecticut, go Huskies, and I was dramatically overweight. I grew up in a big Italian family, and food was sort of the crux of everything, I loved food and, you know, I still love food, but here's an example. I was never the kind of kid that was like, eat a quick bowl of cereal and then dad would drive me to school in the morning. It was bagels all the time. Everything. Cream cheese. Egg sandwiches all the time. Extra bacon. Pancakes all the time. <laughs> Food was always an event. What's that uh what's that saying? It's like I live to eat instead of eat to live. That was a hundred percent me. Anyway, like so many people, this sort of comfort for me, I found in food. And as a result, literally from when I was a tween until this point in 2007, my weight fluctuated constantly. I have photos of me at age 13 and I'm sitting on a mini golf course and I'm probably tipping 160 pounds. And just for the record to this day, I stand roughly about like five, three and a half. (laughs) And then I have photos of me and I'm 16 and I'm lean and I'm teaching dance classes four times a day. Anyway, for the purposes of this story, I am a freshman in college, as I said, and I am 204 pounds. So here we are, we're sitting in my dorm room and there I am. And I look down and I see a scale that I definitely hadn't touched since move-in day. And it's under a stack of books from the previous semester. And just to reiterate again, it wasn't like I didn't know that I was overweight at this time. Like I look back and, uh, I look at all the photos I have of myself and they're all just selfies of me and friends and they're just of my face. And that's a pretty strong indicator that I had some body issues because I couldn't even stand to like look at evidence of myself in this time that showed my body as its true size. I couldn't really admit to myself that I hated my body. How? That's a that's a harsh sentence to kind of put out into the world. Uh, you know, I, I was getting by without feeling like I really needed to do something about it. So <laughs> I take out the scale from under my bed, my bunk bed, and I tap it with my toe and I step on it in that way that we all sort of do where it's like if I tiptoe toward the left side, maybe just a little bit, it'll tell me that I'm 10 pounds lighter. And I stare down and I swear those four seconds that the scale took to populate felt like an eternity. And when I saw the 204 pounds staring back at me, I felt 
empty. I was, I was in a state of total bewilderment. So many questions like, how did I get here? How did I get to this place? How did I let it get this bad? I get off the scale and I throw on some old sweatpants and a hoodie and sneakers and did something that at the time was totally not instinctive to me at all, which was run down three flights of stairs out of my dorm and sprint down this like dimly lit road. I uh, probably go for about 30 seconds until I am totally out of breath completely zonked, and I collapse into the grass next to the sidewalk, just so beside myself. Absolutely hysterical. And through the tears, I remember looking up at the stars and just knowing I was I was so dumb with her. In that moment, my hurdle moment, I knew I had to evaluate. I had to reevaluate. I had to take a step back and spend time on me. I knew that I was better than 204 pounds. I knew that I deserved a life that wasn't so heavy. You know, in the past five, six years, uh, I've picked up running, which we'll get to. Um, and I've, I've done multiple marathons. I've done a triathlon. As a personal trainer, I've taken own, my own personal training clients. But this night in the grass... This was my biggest victory. That night, I decided to invest in myself. That night, the girl who was so lost, like it just clicked. I needed that scare. I needed that empty feeling. I needed that reality check on the scale to reaffirm that I was worthy of my own energy. So I'm thinking that this is the part where we talk about how I lost the weight because it's not easy. It wasn't easy. Um, so I think we'll cover that a little bit here. Uh, the first half of losing it all, uh, which I would say give, took give or take about three years, was really developing a better relationship with food. <laughs> it's embarrassing, really, when I say this out loud, but I remember points growing up where uh, my parents would leave me at home alone. And I'm like at least 16 at this point, and I got excited that I would have free reign over the kitchen. I would make french fries in the oven. I would eat ice cream out of the container. I would eat cheddar cheese from the bag. Oh, man. I remember <laughs> distinctly texting one of my oldest friends, Tom Dargan. Hey, Tom, if you're listening to this. Uh, and saying uh, something along the lines of, I need to get to a point in my life where I don't go to the fridge and eat cheddar cheese out of the bag. <laughs> so uh, these habits, they were really only exacerbated once I got to college and I had the option to eat tater tots three meals a day and indulge in banana chocolate chip ice cream from the Yukon Dairy Bar, which important note here is by far the most delicious, best ice cream in the world, if you want my opinion. So, uh, yeah, with losing weight, my relationship with food had to change. I started to learn more about portion control and instead of completely eliminating foods or feeling guilty about eating them, I just, I learned how to eat them in moderation. 
I never really wanted to be on one of those elimination diets or feel like I couldn't live my life as a 20-something college student and go out drinking from some sketchy keg or what have you. And I was lucky because there were parts that that I was really good at. You know, I loved vegetables. Like I adored them. I I still adore them. And I adored them almost as much as I adore banana chocolate chip ice cream. (laughs) And I learned to eat more of them and less tater tots and more protein and more just good stuff. And those changes paid off because within about a year and a half, I'd lost 40 pounds and was keeping it off. And that's about the time where I started to fall in love with running. Now, to date, I have run five marathons and done a single triathlon and way too many half marathons to count. And that run on sentence is just crazy to think about uh, because... I never thought that I could be a runner, Um, especially because growing up, my brother, who was the track athlete of the family, uh, with me being slightly overweight, he'd always quip at me telling me to go run a mile whenever I was annoying him. And now, today, I can't even tell you how many people I talk to that want my advice on running. They want to know how they can run, how they can become a runner. Well... I sucked at running. (laughs) I was the worst at it. I hated it. Um, And at this point, again, I had lost about 40 pounds and I was working for a summer at Camp Laurelwood in Madison, Connecticut. And obviously at summer camp, there is no Planet Fitness where you can go log 45 minutes on an elliptical mindlessly. And I didn't want to go back on all the progress I made. You know, for me at that point, it was not an option. I had worked too hard to get there. And so I knew what I had to do, and that was pick up running. And so every day after lunch, I would change into some black cotton leggings from Target and a Hanes white cotton v-neck, and I would go run for 14 minutes. And I did the exact same route down and back every single day. I did this for about seven and a half weeks. And at the end of the eight-week summer session, I decided to measure it with my car. And I kind of had just assumed going into it that I was running a mile. Like, I just figured I was slow. It was taking me 14 minutes. But I was doing it, and that's all that mattered. So I get in my car, and I measure it. And at the end, I look down, and it's a half mile. (laughs) a half mile. It took me 14 minutes to run a half mile. And it's kind of funny thinking about it now because how I wasn't angry about that in retrospect, it's crazy. The thing was, is that I didn't even care that it was only a half mile at the time because like I said, I, I got to a point where I liked running. I looked forward to that time for myself. And It didn't matter how far it had been. All that mattered was that I was doing something for me. I was investing in myself. I was keeping true to that promise that I made myself in the grass. And that was really, really special. You know, it's definitely something I struggle with a lot still, this concept of self-love and investing in myself. I think a lot of people share in this notion that it's so easy to give to others, but it's hard to spend time and energy and money on ourselves. 
as a freelance writer, (laughs) if I land some mega assignment and I'm making crazy money, I tend to develop what I like to refer to as total Oprah syndrome. I become super generous. It's like, you get a sweater and you get drinks on me and I'm going to buy you this cactus even if I know you're going to kill it within two weeks. (laughs) It's just what happens. And the thing is, is that when it comes to giving back to me, I am so conservative so conservative. I feel like I don't need much, you know, because this idea of giving to other people, it feels so much more rewarding than giving back to me. Still, out of all of the lessons I learned losing weight, which like I said, took at least three years from start to finish, the biggest of them all was that the people around you, if you surround yourself with the right kinds, They really want your best self. And although it might feel a little counterintuitive sometimes, spending time on yourself is really for the collective benefit. Good people won't be mad at you when you need to do things for you, period. And although it may not feel like you need to get back to yourself, you just got to do it. And there are so many ways that you can do that, you know, maybe You're taking a step back and you're relaxing on a Sunday afternoon and watching HGTV until you don't ever want to hear the word shiplap ever again. (laughs) Or maybe you wake up an extra hour earlier and if you like to run, you run a few miles. Or perhaps you go on airplane mode after 9 p.m. at night and you just totally disconnect. Whatever it is, you've got to do something because... When I take a step back and I look at where I've come from, my whole life changed because I decided to give back to myself. My career path too, really. (laughs) I mentioned being a freelancer a few times now, and I really just don't believe I would be as successful as I have been or have the grit to be my own boss or chase assignments and deadlines and meetings and people if I didn't go through this period. It's as if getting over this hurdle instilled in me this champion's mindset. It's like I became very aware that as hurdles would keep coming at me, I would have the tenacity to get over them. That's not to say that I've got this whole thing figured out. Far from it, far from it. But but once I believed in my inner game changer, you know, how, how great is that term game changer? I love it. Once I believed... In my inner game changer, and I believed that I was strong and capable and that I could be better, it rubbed off on other things, and that's when everything changed, and more than obviously in a physical way. Also, a little note I want to throw in here, when you make a difficult decision, you come to terms with this idea that you're about to put in work, you know, and I truly believe the people that say, I just can't do this. They don't want it enough. They don't want to put in the work. And man, can that be frustrating, (laughs) especially if it's within a relationship. (sighs) Fact, you can't make someone want something for themselves, but when you want something bad enough, you come to terms with this idea that every single day going forward may be a little bit more difficult than the last. And it's scary. Yeah, but think about the payoff. Just think about it. (laughs) The biggest rewards in life come from moments of adversity for things when you've worked your butt off. 
I once, here's a fun fact about me, ran two marathons in one week. (laughs) It's crazy, I know. And in hindsight, it was absolutely insane and involved so much opportunity cost, abundant amounts of training. I had to skip over dinners with friends. I had to get up early as all hell and run 20 excess miles starting at 5.15 a.m. It was a lot. But the reward of that experience, the reward of those experiences together, one day, you know, I'll be able to tell my kids that I did this and they're going to think their mom is a total badass. And that's the nugget. And granted, you know, the nugget isn't always going to be two marathons in one week, but you just think about the things you really want and how great you feel at the end of them. When you realize that you were capable, you were capable all along. And that's the good stuff. That's the magic. So what do I want you to take away from my story? Well, really hopefully, that anything is possible if you believe it's possible, period. You are the one who decides where you're at mentally, physically. It's so important to invest in yourself. There are going to be so many hurdles along the way. And although the work may be hard, remember that it's part of a story. It's part of your story. And even though the end might not be exactly what you envision, that doesn't mean that it's not beautiful. That doesn't mean that you didn't work hard to get there. And whether or not you believe it yet, you too, yeah, you, you're a game changer. You are. I think, uh, I think it's about time to cut it. If you're still listening, thank you. I appreciate you. I can't even stress how much work has gone into this project already. And you're only listening to episode one. Uh, it's still in its infancy from doing things like learning how to build a Squarespace and host content and finagling the best way to host these from my WeWork space, which has been the ultimate saving grace as a freelancer, getting me outside of my apartment and providing me with enough freshly brewed coffee to fuel my never-ending thoughts. You know, the work feels endless. Uh, And I also of note, wouldn't be able to do any of this without the support of my family and friends. Um, A holler to my friend Mike Horn for my beautiful music. (laughs) Please take a moment to leave a quick review by clicking the link with the description to this episode. Like I said, we all face multiple hurdles in life, and I want to hear about yours. Reach out to me at emily at hurdle.us. Connect with the podcast on Instagram and Twitter at hurdle podcast. And again, of course, feel free to connect with me too over at Emily Abati, A-B-B-A-T-E. On the next episode of Hurdle, I am going to sit down with Alex Silver Fagan. She's a Nike trainer, a Wilhelmina model, a creator of her own program, Flow Into Strong, an author, so many accolades. <laughs> I like to rag on her because she calls herself a fitness entrepreneur. <laughs> I guess everyone's an entrepreneur in their own right. Uh, Alex got to a point where she was only 90 pounds working in nightlife and kind of had this hurdle moment where she knew she needed to make a change for the better. I catch up with her about 
bikini body competitions, what life is like now, and what inspires her every single day. I'm really looking forward to sharing this with you guys. And with that, the first of many hurdles conquered. Until next time.